It's the Obvious Brothers. We're back and better than ever. I'm Obvious Steve, and this is... Obvious John. Hi, John. Took a week off last week, and now we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's been a uh, busy, busy, busy. Yeah, I, you know, um, I spent uh, this week trying to catch up, figure out where I was, uh, postponed a, a flight I was supposed to take yesterday till Monday. Uh, so I've watched, uh, let's see, uh, quite a bit of golf yesterday, a lot of baseball games. And, of course, last weekend there was all that basketball. Yes, uh, you know, the tournament ended and the Masters started. So it's good for sports fans. Yeah. Well, John, I'm going to start with a non-sports thing, of course, as we often do. So uh, everybody's talking about it, John. Sunday night, new season of Game of Thrones. Are you ready? I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I am a Game of Thrones watcher. And uh, so, yeah, I'm ready for the new season. Okay. So, John, what's going to happen? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, I, I, come, come on. I can't even make a guess. I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, what everybody wants is like Jon Snow and Khaleesi to get together and rule the world. So, they're related. Eh. 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 It's. I, 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 had, I saw somebody tweet this morning that, that she's his aunt, and, you know, I can't remember. So I admit the whole, I, I need a uh, genealogical table to figure out. But, uh, the, the, yes, it's kind of creepy. Somebody, I, I think at the end, if they're doing this right, somebody's got to end up sitting on the, uh, the Iron Throne, right? Or else uh, all this has been kind of for naught. Yeah, and, you know, based on the shows history it's not necessarily uh the fan favorites or who you're rooting for that end up on the throne so it'll be oh, interesting you mean, you mean like in the season one the one hero that we we thought we had got his head chopped off at the end and what yeah. was that season season three his son who we thought was the new uh he gets executed you mean that kind of thing yeah and his wedding the red wedding yeah the, the red wedding thank you john for for knowing the jargon of such things so all right, so I, I suspect for the next few weeks, uh, I think eight, is that right? Eight episodes, uh, we will be uh, doing Game of Thrones recaps at the beginning uh, as we try and f figure out uh, what the F they're doing. We now have fly ice dragons, the wall coming down, ice walkers, and uh, aunt and nephew doing the dirty. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. white walkers, Steve, not ice walkers. Get it right. Oh, oh, damn. Thank you. Uh, I, thank you for that correction. And, uh, you know, I, I am giving you a hand signal, even as we speak. <laughs> You'll get murdered on Twitter for calling them ice walkers. If we had anybody listening to us, John, I would be worried about that. So <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. All right, John. Uh, uh, we, we got into this uh, podcasting because we text back and forth. You were not uh, live texting the Masters yesterday afternoon, so you must not have been watching. I watched way too much, but uh, there you go. So, John, what, what do you have to say about the opening round of the Masters at this point? Yeah, I didn't really get to watch much of it. I was on the road most of the day. Um, I did listen to some of it. Um, sounds like the course was uh, a little tougher earlier than it was later. Um, they were kind of shocked at the scores with the course being as uh, 
as soft as it was, they thought that, you know, although it's playing a little long, that uh, with the greens being a little softer, that, you know, their pins were primed for the taking. But uh, I did hear more than one announcer say that this they thought this was 18 of the hardest holes they've ever seen on the golf course. Uh, between Faldo and uh, I think Curtis Strange had both said that, that it was set up with some very difficult pin placements. Yeah, well, they were they were saying that the pin placements yesterday they'd never seen before, especially on day one. So, uh, yeah, there were there were some Sunday pins yesterday, which makes for some interesting pin placement options for the rest of the weekend. Um, you know, usually it's very traditional you can pretty much put a hat around where the pins are on Monday, you know on Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday they don't they don't really change it up a lot um, but they did this time and I think uh, you know it showed yeah um, the uh, weather forecast is not very pretty uh, I think it's supposed to rain today and tomorrow so why do you think that matters to these guys I mean uh, I don't know about you but it would matter to me yeah, it, it would matter to me as well. Um, but I think for the most part, as we've seen in the past, um, the, guy, the guys that do the best at, in this tournament and at this golf course are ones that have won here before. They're usually uh, veterans, not a lot of, uh, you know, first-time Masters players come out and, and uh, tear this golf course up, which, you know, I was impressed with uh, the young kid that, one last week that uh Collins the, yeah Collins you know that came out and played pretty well this week yeah he, he shot he shot what's now known as a tiger <laughs> the the two under yeah it's a tiger yeah. today yeah. yeah since tiger sneaking sneaking up into contention right yeah, yeah sneaking into contention having watched every shot and every fart uh, from yesterday's round, but yeah, he's Tiger sneaking up sneak. on it. Yeah, he's the, he doesn't sneak around that golf course at all. But so uh, we we were all we got into Mr. Woods. He, he was uh, two under yesterday. Um, almost the best start he's ever had at the Masters. He's won three times with an opening round seventy. So has he just set himself up to win, John, or are you, uh, are you uh, doubting after his opening round 70? Uh, no, I think that's uh, an excellent round to start with. I mean, he has always struggled in the first round um, and, and made his moves on, on Fridays and Saturday. But, uh, you know, the only time will tell. It depends. You know, I, I still don't know that he can necessarily put four back-to-back-to-back you know, four rounds together at one time. I think, you know, he's, he's struggled doing that here in the last year or so. So yeah. we'll see how it pans out. Uh, the complaints have been, even as he was playing yesterday, and I've seen it uh, in, in some of the coverage uh, since, that he did not putt well enough, that he uh, let a couple strokes get away, as he's been doing, with some short putts that he's, that he's missed. So... Uh, you, he cannot do that uh, day after day and, and think he's going to keep up with Brooks Kepka, for instance. So, Yeah, Kepka made it look pretty easy yesterday. I mean, the guy's he's kind of in, he's in, he's in a groove right now. He's playing some really good golf. You know, he missed the Masters last year, recovering from wrist surgery, had a couple other key victories. So um, I think uh, Kepka is definitely one that, to look out for. So, John. 
I, I saw the stats because I was watching the Golf Channel before we got on. Kepka uh, hit the ball 25 yards further than the, the average drive, and his accuracy was in the 86th percentile yesterday. Yeah, that's pretty nice when you can hit it really far and really straight. Yeah, yeah well, well, that's kind of it's kind of what you're supposed to do, right? Well, yeah, that's what everybody's goal is, but it's a lot easier said than done. Well, you just I, I think uh, just that's those stats indicate why it is he's uh, in the lead. And then, of course, then there's uh, DeChambeau, who seemed to be trying to hole out with iron shots yesterday. So uh, had, a, had a couple that uh, were my length for birdie, you know, backhanded. Yeah, so. You, yeah. If, if you if you missed this, yeah, I I, I did. I missed it. Um, oh, you were you were uh, okay. So so sixteen, he put it in, uh, grazed the cup for for uh, a hole in one. I think he had three inches, and from one ninety five on eighteen, he shot it up the hill and hit the pin solid and had maybe four inches for birdie. So um, he he, uh, he was tucking it in there pretty tight. So. It's pretty solid to be able to just kick it in. Those yeah, kicking right. birdies yeah. are fun. Yeah, you don't put a lot of stress on your putter uh, with that. And uh, a lot of people stress their putters uh, around that golf course. All right, John. Well, let, let's go back in time. Uh, we haven't talked for two weeks, so we've missed a lot of overtime uh, NCAA playoff game or, uh, you know, um, tournament games. So um, you uh, – Ended up not winning money in the bracket, and uh, you expressed butthurt uh, earlier in the week. So you're still trying to recover from the fact that uh, Virginia snuck a series of wins? Yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of a bummer. Um, I'm not real sure that Virginia was the best team in the tournament. I'm not even so sure they were the best team in the, in the uh, Elite Eight, but uh, – they managed to get the wins, and that's all that matters. Uh, win and move on, and and they did it. And uh, they get the coach Bennett gets to hoist the title for the first time in in Virginia history, and, and which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, well, like- and and of course everybody loves the redemption tour story about being the first one seed to lose to a 16 last year, and coming back this year and winning the national championship. Uh, seems to be going from. Uh, whatever from the uh, outhouse to the penthouse. Well, yeah, except you know, they were in the tournament a year ago and they were a one seed, so right. that's, that's not exactly. a terrible outhouse to be in, but uh, a disappointing, obviously, to lose the opening game. But it's not like they were 0 and 32 a year ago and came back and won the national championship. But anyway, everybody loves that story, like, uh, yeah, yeah, so. And uh, the, the stories about that that kind of basketball couldn't win get enough games in a row. Well, they showed us how it could be done. I don't know if they can, as you pointed out, I, I'm not sure they could replicate uh, squeezing out the three victories they squeezed out. But there you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, even begin, you know, it goes back to the to the Purdue game. I'm not sure that they deserve to win that game. And then Auburn. Oh, I know they didn't deserve to win that game, John. But you, you're just you're just hurting me here, right? And then uh, the Auburn game. What a crazy finish that was! Uh, 
guy hitting three free throws at the end of the game with 0.6 seconds on the clock, which was gut wrenching for me because at that point, uh, I, I'm not going to say I was, uh, counting my money, but I was definitely thinking about it because if yeah. Auburn wins that game, it's, it's, uh, signed, sealed and delivered. I win both bracket pools. I, I may, I was in and it would have been nice, but, uh, and then you go into overtime on, on uh, Monday night with, uh, with Texas tech and a very high scoring game, uh, that nobody expected from the two teams. Uh, that, that, that was not a high scoring game. <laughs> It was it high was. scoring. It was high scoring for those two teams. Was I know a... that that was. I was. That was a little. I was being a little oh, sarcastic okay. there. Right. Right. Um, right. The over under opened on that game at like one seventeen and a half, I believe. Uh, I don't think it ever did get above one twenty. No. Um, no, they, was... they covered that easily. Yeah. So. So so yes, the, the UVA uh, thing is. Uh, yeah, uh, it was an amazing run, uh, and you say they, they squeezed out three games in a row there. They, they were like, and you know, they, they didn't exactly beat Oregon in the round of 16 uh, like a drum. So uh, they uh, squeezed out four games in a row and ended up being national champions, and we have to put up with the ACC claiming how wonderful they are yet again, John. Yeah, Um yeah, yeah, we get to hear that's <laughs> this. It's disappointing, but uh, we get to listen to that again for another year. Yeah, you, you, we had our chance on the other side with the Big Twelve and the Big Ten coming from the other side of the bracket, and uh, could not get the job done in the in the, in the final game. Yeah, the um, Big Ten, the Big Ten represented itself well, though I thought. Uh, yeah, you can't can't be too upset with how how they uh, turned out for this uh, for this tournament. No, no. As a Purdue fan, I agree with that. You know, an elite eight for the first time in uh, in twenty years, and you know, I don't think Michigan State can be disappointed with a final four, another final four appearance. Although they they did kind of get uh, uh, Texas Tech turned them inside out on Saturday night. So yeah, they uh, Tech looked good Saturday night. Um, it was definitely their type of game. You know, exactly what they wanted. You know they they made uh, Michigan State play uh, play at their pace and play at their play their game and which uh, resulted in a pretty decent victory. Yeah, well, they uh, they really uh, Beard knows how to teach uh, and has the players to play uh, quality defense and um, it takes a certain kind of offensive player to be able to score against them and uh, it was pretty clear. Uh, State did not have enough of those, so uh, that was. Uh... Yeah, and he's going to reload. Uh, he got one of the best players in the country. The definitely the best player out of uh, Texas is coming in next year. Um, so he, he's he's continuing to recruit well, and, and he's got a good roster on it. That's uh, looks like Texas Tech isn't going to be a team to. Uh, you know, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with here for the next couple years. Yeah. Well. Um, there are a bunch of prairie dogs who root for them and armadillos, but uh, I don't know if there's much more of a bandwagon than that so, yeah. <laughs> in Lubbock. Yeah. Well, John, and while we're on uh, college basketball, uh, the coaching carousel, as they call it, to use the overused metaphor, uh, rolled around. And uh, as I said, we got into this because we text a lot about, about sports. 
it was it's been interesting to watch uh uh everybody move around and not move around and who's been ucla uh fumbled the search about four different times and uh i'm not sure what st john's is doing is they're currently i think the hot job that's open so um what what do you what do you think about the fact uh well oats went to uh went to alabama um yeah Arkansas got Musselman from Nevada, and then uh, after several fumbles, uh, the the guy from Cincinnati, Cronin, goes to to UCLA. Uh, how do you feel about all these shifts and uh, how much money's changing hands and all that? Yeah, and Alfred, it looks like uh, I see that Alfred is going to get the Nevada job, so out of UCLA. So, oh really? Uh, that's one of the headlines today on ESPN. Uh, hired yeah. lead. I guess I should have looked at the headlines uh, then. Uh, so, yeah, Alfred's going to Nevada. Well, that's an interesting sidekick. But all right, back to my question about what what's happened so far. Did, did you think that was interesting, and uh, were those good picks, or uh, and, and what do you think about the money that's getting kicked around? Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, this was a big year of changes. Let's see. There's one, two, three. 18 coaching changes. Um, some of them are big schools. Some of them are not so big. You know, like George Washington, nobody really is too worried about that one. But uh, coaching is changed. Uh, it's more of a what can you do for me now type industry. Um, a lot of these guys don't get more than three or four years. They barely get one recruiting class through their right. um through their system before, um, you know, if they're not producing top wins uh, or sweet right. 16 or elite eight appearances, yeah. then they're out the door. And I personally, I don't care for it. I'd like to see, I mean, they're already asking for um, Indiana's coach's head um, in, in, in Bloomington, which I think is crazy. Uh, the guy's only been there for two years. He hasn't even gotten, you know, two classes through. So, I think people's uh, system should probably pump the brakes a little bit. And uh, I guess that's my opinion. Well, we're, 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 we're in the world, we're in the world of one and done. So, and I, I haven't seen it, but is Langford coming back to IU? Uh, he has, uh, I don't know what that's called where they, he, he's declared he, for the draft. He's declared, but he hasn't, he doesn't have an agent. Is that how that works, right? Well, no. The the new rules, you can have an agent and still come back. Okay. Yeah. This, he's done, as of this year, so he's he's done that. Yeah. Yes. So and so, I don't think he's a top twenty pick. Well, is that the magic number? But anyway, so so you're not sure he's coming back. My money's on no. He isn't. Well, and 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 that's part of the it's part of the issue about building a program and a recruiting class. If the best person in your recruiting class only stays a year, John, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to know how to make things work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, so um, I, I I cannot believe the UCLA thing. Uh, what did they offer uh, Barnes? Did they offer him five million a year, or was it more than five million a year from I don't ten, know. Tennessee to to come out there? To, and they I mean, they couldn't couldn't get him to come to, to UCLA, which 
I, I kind of understand, um, I, I understand kind of why they, they wanted to win the press conference. So they wanted a big name. So, uh, but uh, uh, it was a little embarrassing. Uh, I heard people say, and I think I shared this with you at one point, they thought the Arkansas job was a better job uh, than, than UCLA. I, I'm uh, kind of stunned by that, but kind of not because we're getting to the point in, in life where the SEC and the Big Ten in football and basketball are the big dogs and in, uh, and the other ones are kind of, you know, they're, they're great jobs and everything. And I, I would take the money. But if you're definitely in the second tier, if you're in the Pac-12 or the Big East. Yeah. Um, I think UCLA is trying to live off that glory days, the glory years of the 70s, uh, the legacy program that they, they believe they are. And they are one of the best programs in, in history of college basketball. But they haven't necessarily been in the last 20 years. Right. But but still, you know, and I, I saw a couple articles saying why they should still be a great program and how, you know, the last couple coaches have let them down. Um, and maybe it has something to do with getting involved with the Ball brothers. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the uh, point, point is a lot of, if you look at the list of the best players in the country, top 25 recruits, there are a lot of them from California. And uh, it's the best place to play in California, without a doubt. So you don't have to go very far from home. Uh, there are a lot of good players out of Indiana. Which, But uh, if you're in Kentucky, for instance, how many uh, top 25 players do you think are out of Kentucky? Uh, or, or Arkansas, uh, for instance. So. Right. Uh, there is a home recruiting factor there, but it seems like uh, all those schools have a uh... – have an issue keeping keeping kids in state there, and and uh, especially when they're losing out to your Dukes and Kentuckys and and uh, and other schools. So well, I, I know I know typically Oregon uh, has a pretty good basketball program, and you know they went to Sweet Sixteen and just said a minute ago, and they typically have several California players uh, on their team. So. Um, I, I'm sure Nevada is probably recruiting out of California. I think everybody around tries to poach out of California. Uh, I don't think there are a lot of top 25 recruits in Oregon either. So uh, you, you got a lot of people poaching. You got to hang on to your own. And that's, that's true in Indiana as well as California, right? Correct. Yeah. All right, John. It's, uh, it's April, whatever it is, 12th. Uh, baseball season, uh, we're to the fifth one two three yeah fifth series of the season so where are you at john on on where things stand who's, who's surprising you nobody i mean there's nothing to be surprised about at this time of the year for me personally i think that you so know, you're it's... you're not like gaga over the mariners no uh i'm not gaga over anything i'm not you know i'm not too worried about the, the fact that the cubs are four games under 500 um, I think, uh, you know, this is a, it's a long season. There's a lot of games to be played. So, um, 13, uh, you know, 12 to 13 games into the season. I'm not too, uh, too, too stressed yet. So, so I saw Darvish's line the other night and I was confused as to whether a person thought it was a good line or a bad line. 
So is you uh, looking good or what is your take on how he's looking? Yeah, you Darvish, that guy. I, I don't know. He's not been uh, – he hasn't turned out the way we had hoped he, he would. But Yeah, spent a lot of money on him, yeah. Spent a lot of money for a guy that was kind of struggling in Texas. and uh, He did not have know, a good playoff series two years did, ago. No, he did not. Yeah, I don't – he's not uh, – he's definitely not my favorite pitcher on the team. Uh, Lester's injuries could be, you know, hopefully this is not anything that lasts too long. Yeah. And uh, get him back quickly because he was pitching pretty decent for uh, which he yeah. seems to, uh, you know, a fast start for him in this season seems to be a good omen for him as the as the year goes on. So, um, you know, he did come out pretty strong. Hopefully he can get back to pick it right back up where he left off. Well, if we're talking – we're talking the NL Central. Uh, we're all chasing the Brewers, and uh, they're better not let uh, they're not slip too much because I don't think they're letting off the gas. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I I was scanning the stats this morning, uh, looking because uh, several people got huge uh, paychecks, right? Uh, in in the off season, uh, lots of controversy about that. I do not see Manny Machado's name in any of the of the stats and scrolling down quite quite a ways. I guess Manny didn't get off to a good start in San Diego, huh? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I've heard Bryce Harper's name a bit, but uh, and, and you know he's he's got four home runs, which puts him you know fairly high up there so far. But uh, Manny, Manny has not made a dent yet in uh, on the West Coast. Now he's batting batting two forty five. Uh, he's got a three sixty two on base percentage. He does have seven RBIs, which is pretty decent for the first twelve games of the year. So, or yeah. fourteen games. Does he have a home run? He has three of them. Oh well, okay. So it's a quiet, a quiet three where Harper has a uh, a loud four, huh? So, well, I don't know. I don't know if Harper's are as loud as Trout's against the uh, the Rangers when Trout just wrecked the Rangers in the last series. Well, you know, if you if you if you go to slugging percentage, uh, uh, Trout Trout leads the major leagues, of course. So, um, not not a surprise. He got a big contract, and I don't think anybody doubted he deserved it. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think you know he's he's the best in in major league baseball. Uh, in my opinion, undoubtedly. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we'll talk a lot more about baseball as we go on, John. So as we finish up this week, it's Friday morning of the Masters. John, let's both look stupid here. Pick pick the winner. I'll take uh, Ricky Fowler and a come-from-behind victory here. You're taking Fowler? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go crazy too. I'm going to take Bryce because I, I I don't I don't think he he understands what's going on and and we'll, we'll <laughs> <laughs> the mad scientist will uh, science is the way to victory. Yeah, and, I think I don't you know the, the only thing about Bryson, um, you know that that course can be scientifically analyzed for sure. But there's, like we said before, the guys that do best there are veterans. 
that have, have played the course. Um, but his system that he has with his, um, you know, with putting and, and all that stuff, he definitely is. I wouldn't be surprised if he won. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I hate neither one of his picks, Kepka. And, 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 you know, he got a great start and he's a great player. And I, and I hate that, you know, I, I, I don't know that I'd take him against the field. But he's won three majors in the last two years. Uh, guys just don't keep winning them. So, yeah. I mean, if he does, you know, he's an all-time great if he wins this one. He may, he may, he's already kind of a Hall of Famer, I suspect. But uh, he wins this one. He really elevates. Just kind of hard to believe that a guy will do this again uh, already. Yeah, which is kind of a – here's an interesting stat. Um, it's a tweet from Michael Collins, the, the ex-caddy. Yeah. Uh, it says that if uh, Kepka wins the 2019 Masters, the next four majors will each yeah. have a career Grand Slam on the line. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard this, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. That's the first time that this has happened ever in the PGA history. Uh, does in the he... Masters era, in the Masters era. Right, because, because if he wins the Masters, uh, he needs a British Open. Uh, Spieth needs a, uh, a PGA, which is next month. And of course, Phil needs a U.S. Open still. And then, Rory, and then Rory next year will needs the uh, still needs masters. a ma- Masters unless he comes from. Nobody's come from this far back ever, uh, where he started the first day to to win this year. So, uh, just yeah. just to put that in context, uh, correct. I, I I don't know if he makes the cut after shooting one over yesterday. I, you know, one never knows, but. He did not put himself in great position to win the Masters and complete the career Grand Slam. No, tied for 45th is not where you want to be after day one. No, no, no. It's, uh, there's a lot of moving the next couple of days uh, if you want to want to be playing for the jacket on Sunday. Well, John, uh, I have to dig around and find the theme music to Game of Thrones to. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that it? What what was that like? Four notes out of you uh, that uh, might might not have been quite right. Yeah, uh, I don't think you want me to to no, go I, well, full I don't volume. Know. It, it depends upon how how well or how badly you do it. It could be worth doing if you do it really badly, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, enjoy the Masters. Enjoy Game of Thrones. Uh, enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, it's been good talking to you and finally catching up. Yes, sir. And uh, have a great weekend. No, you too. Bye. Bye.